Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Well, hi, friends. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 60. More and more these days, we hear the question, is truth true for everyone? Even though our guest today, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, was a teacher in a Christian elementary school, most of her students could not answer yes to this question, is truth true for everyone? They'd memorize the scripture that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, yet they didn't have the foundation to be able to defend this truth. Well, fasten your seatbelts, because Elizabeth has created a curriculum now available through her ministry, Foundation Worldview, that provides tools to teach kids how to defend this truth. And it is all so, so good. Knowing this episode is packed with goodness, you'll want to head over to our website, bibletoschool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the resource tab to access today's show notes. You'll find the link to Elizabeth's foundation, her curriculum, and social media outlets there. Go ahead and subscribe and like our podcast and share this episode with your friends, teachers, homeschool parents, families, really anyone you know with kids would glean a good bit from this episode. So join me as we hop on over to Elizabeth and Corey's conversation right now. Well, welcome, Elizabeth. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today so you can tell the children. When I heard about what you do and your ministry and your mission, I was like, wow, our listeners have to hear what you do because it's so good. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, where you're from? Yes, I'd love to. So I'm originally from New York, grew up there, and then taught in a Christian school just outside of Chicago for a decade, and now live in the southern part of the United States. And I started my professional career as an elementary educator in a Christian school. So spent the first decade of my professional career teaching, and I love getting to work with kids. It's how God's gifted me. It's the passion that he's given me. And when I was teaching at this Christian school, it was a great Christian school. The majority of the parents that sent their kids there, you know, specifically sent them there for a distinctly biblical education. You know, I was passionate about God's word. So I was giving the kids a biblically based education all day long. And nice. most of them were fairly involved in church. Um, but I still noticed a problem that they were just rapidly absorbing ideas from culture without any question. So just seeing that... Um, you know, that need, that deficit in my students, that's what has led me to do what I'm doing today, which is running a ministry called Foundation Worldview that creates materials that seeks to equip kids to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter so they can understand the truth of the Christian worldview. Well, now you all know why I love what Elizabeth does, because Bible <laughs> to School has a lot in common with what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, we just want the truth to get to the children. And that's pretty hard in this culture these days. But why did, like, why did you start the foundation, Elizabeth? Why did you start Foundation Worldview? 
Yeah. I I think probably a lot of your listeners can relate. You know, you grow up and you have these ideas of what your life is going to look like, and then it turns out completely different, but you're so grateful, you know, for the way that God (laughs) leads. And so when I noticed this deficit, you know, just with the kids that God had placed in my care, I started looking for resources that would just teach them the basics of, you know, like this is this is what the biblical worldview teaches about truth. This is what the biblical worldview teaches about God, about humans, about life, about right and wrong. And then also compared those teachings and contrasted them with the teachings of other worldviews that our kids are just confronted with every day. You know, whether it's conversations oh, yeah. on the playground, textbooks, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok, YouTube, Disney Plus, whatever. And all the materials that I could find were created for high school on up. And now Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful those materials exist, but I thought, wow, you know, if the eight and nine-year-olds in my classroom are struggling with this now, if we wait six, seven years to start equipping them in this way, we're going to have lost so much ground. So when I couldn't find any resources like that for elementary students, I just started reading books, taking classes and developing my own resources. And I taught an after-school class for third through fifth graders. And everybody kind of went nuts for the results Mm. because they just saw the kids being transformed. You know, they were evaluating the movies they were watching. They were critically thinking in math and science and literature and history and just carefully evaluating every idea. So people started contacting me, you know, asking me how they could get their hands on these resources. And I was like, I'm sorry, you can't. Like, I'm a third grade teacher, not a publishing house. You know, here's the books (laughs) I read. Here's the classes I took. Go do those. And everyone was like, no, just let us know when you have this published. So after three years of receiving those requests, it just was obvious, okay, there's a need out there. So while I was still teaching, I went back to school, got a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University, just to make sure I really knew what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And then after that left teaching to start foundation worldview so that I could equip others, you know, outside of Mm -hmm. the Christian school context in which I was in. So never foresaw my life heading in this direction, but (laughs) I'm so grateful that God has led me this way just to be able to equip others and really get the next generation to understand what's true. Well, like I said, our ministry is very much parallel because you're we're, you're in the elementary world and there is not much mm-hmm. out there for elementary. Right. So we developed our own curriculum as well in the release time area, mm-hmm. area in the middle of the day, second, third, and fourth graders, because research has shown that these are the years where they form their spiritual morals and values, where the frontal cortex is developing at top-notch speed, which is the area of the brain that processes spiritual understanding. And this also is a time when all kids want to know these answers. They want to know, where did I come from? What's my purpose? What happens after I die? And the culture is constantly trying to answer these questions. Are you finding these, these questions consistent with what you're seeing? And, and like, how does this tie into your ministry, those kind of questions? Yeah, so you're completely agree. You know, kids are... They're like little sponges. I know, you know, I did not, I did not create that analogy, but that they they really are. They (laughs) absorb so much from what's around them. And they also can think really deeply and have really good questions. So like the questions that you just mentioned, you know, sometimes kids will verbalize those. Sometimes they won't, you know, sometimes they'll just sit there and they'll, you know, ruminate inside and we'll have no idea that those questions are there. Mm. And so we actually have to be, you know, proactive about asking good questions like that and helping the kids in our care find answers to those questions so that they understand that those are those are great things to be thinking through. Those are important things to be thinking through and to know that there are actually real and true answers to those big questions that everybody wonders. So yes, I'm seeing lots of those questions out there and the <laughs> kids are hungry, you know, to learn how to find the answers. Well, and you talk about comparative. That's why I guess what I think was really distinctive about what you're doing 
is that you are identifying what the culture is saying. And then you're kind of, what I'm understanding is it's you're saying, well, this, that's what they're saying, but this is what the truth is from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Am I right about that? Yeah. So the format that we take in, so we have a number of curriculums out. One of the curriculums, the first one we had out is called Foundation Comparative Worldview Curriculum. And so in each unit, we ask and answer a different question. Like we'll ask the question, you know, what does it mean to be human? And then we'll look at, okay, let's look at the entirety of scripture and what does scripture speak about what it means to be human? So we'll look, we'll spend a few lessons looking at that. Then we'll say, okay, the other worldviews that we find in our culture, and we specifically look at naturalism or any worldview that believes that only the physical is real. We look at what we'll label new spirituality, basically like spiritual, but not religious, you know, stemming more from Eastern religions. And we look at postmodernism, you know, just this belief that, you know, like, we can't really know the truth, you know, like all truth claims are equal. And then we also look at Islam as another theistic religion um, that is some, you know, has some similarities, but is also vastly different than the biblical worldview. And so we'll look at those four other worldviews and we'll say, okay, what do they teach about the answer to this question? And we'll have the students research that. And then we have them compare and contrast. So looking, are there any similarities? What are the differences? And then they evaluate what lines up with what we find in the world around us so that they're the ones mm -hmm. that are actually discovering, oh my goodness the Bible consistently lines up with what we find in the world around us. And then once they have that understanding, then we bring in like media clips from either like popular TV shows or movies or music. And we'll say, okay, we want you to watch this, identify what worldview message is present in this clip so that they're getting in the habit of anytime they're consuming something, they're not being passive recipients of information, but they're actually being active evaluators. And so we just find that really important so that they're, you know, just on the lookout for what other ideas are coming my way. And are these ideas true or are they false? Wow. That is great tools for kids and parents alike, mm -hmm. because sometimes mm -hmm. we don't even know what those worldviews, we know they're different, we know they're not right, but it just, sometimes it's when it's over and over, you hear it over and over again, it kind of mm -hmm. seeps into to parents as well. Like, you know, is, is this really true? And so I love that you're teaching both people and you're, you're, you're equipping both. Now, when culture teaches us that something can be true for you and not for me, I, we, I hear that often, you know, you live your, you know, leave them alone, you live your truth and I'll live mine. And can you expand on that? That one especially is prevalent now. Yes. And that is so foundational that the children in our care understand the objective nature of truth, because this is an idea that is kind of just assumed in society that what's true for me can be different than what's true for you. And that's so dangerous because when an idea, when an idea is debated, there's opportunities to think through like, okay, what does this side believe? What does this side believe? Where when ideas are assumed, nobody's really talking about them, but they're undergirding everything. And so this is actually one of the biggest aha moments for mm. the parents and the Christian educators and the church leaders who use our curriculum is that we as adults don't realize the ways in which the children in our care have already absorbed this lie. And the danger of this lie is then our children are viewing scripture as, oh, that's true for my mom, or that's true for my teacher, or that's true for my pastor, but it's not necessarily true for everyone. Like in that curriculum that I mentioned before, the comparative worldview one in, um, it's either the fourth or the fifth lesson in our first unit. It all covers truth. And in that lesson, we have the teacher or the parent, whoever is working with the children, they ask the question or they, they post the question, you know, just so that somewhere the kids can see it. Is the truth true for everyone? 
And then one side of that question says, yes, the other side says no. And the kids are given a sticky note and they have to decide if they're going to put their sticky note on the yes side or the no side, and then explain why. And we get emails all the time from parents and pastors and Christian educators who are shocked because the majority of the children in their care choose the no side and say, no, the truth is not true for everyone. And so they're Mm. like, oh my gosh, but my kids have John 14, six memorized. They know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. But what they're hearing actually, when we have them memorize that because of what they've already absorbed from culture is Jesus is the way for some people. Jesus is the truth for some people. Jesus is the life for some people where that's not how truth works. Like either Jesus is the only way to God or Mm -hmm. he is not the only way to God. There's no third option. And so, you know, we do two whole lessons on that. And then at, at the end of the lessons, The kids are given an opportunity to do the same thing again. They have to answer on a sticky note, you know, is the truth true for everyone? Yes or no. And by the end, most of the kids are able to defend when, yes, the truth is true for everyone. And so we need to have that foundation. Mm. Even, you know, even before we're having kids memorize scripture, like we need to have, (laughs) make sure they have that foundation. So they're understanding that these truths, this is not, we're not memorizing these verses because it's important to mommy or it's important to daddy or it's important to, you know. Whoever, we're memorizing these because these are actually true, true. for everyone. <laughs> oh, uh, oh yes. We deal with that too because a lot of people say to us, mm. we need to memorize, we need to memorize. And I'm like, they don't even know who God is. Like some of them don't even know mm. who God is. And so I'd rather them understand and memorize a verse yeah. about him and internalize that than, like you said, put it into a, a box, you know, or a segment uh, of their understanding and through that filter. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Is God going to be in hell? In answering this question, we need to explore the attributes of God, namely that He's the creator of everything and is omnipresent, or that means present everywhere. As such, He is present in hell. It would be wise for us to note that His presence does not equate with His approval or a relationship with Him. People in hell will still be separated or without a relationship with God for eternity. Think of it as being in a room with someone you don't know, or they won't even acknowledge your presence, even though you really, really want to be friends with them. While God is omnipresent, even in hell, those who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior will be in a relationship with Him in heaven for all of eternity. Now, emotions are high out there in the culture. And often people think that their emotions, you know, are are the gods for truth. You know, I feel that way, Mm -hmm. therefore it's true, you know? That's a lie that quickly, I mean, children quickly Mm -hmm. absorb that. I mean, us as Mm -hmm. humans, you mentioned being human. What are some of the tools that can help children know whether their emotions are deceiving them or not? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that we do at Foundation Worldview is we like to start this training, you know, as young as four years old. Wow, four years old. Yeah, yeah. So we love to start it as young as four years old because, you know, four-year-olds, I mean, three-year-olds and two-year-olds also have very strong emotions. (laughs) Um, You know, and part of parenting, part of discipleship is, you know, training kids to recognize what they're feeling. And then also, okay, what do I do with what I'm feeling? And so what we love to do is we love to equip parents just with just with some simple games that they can play with their kids. So in, you know, our early childhood worldview curriculum, which is for four to seven-year-olds, what we do is we first just teach them, you know, the definition of truth. We just say truth is what is real. And then the way that we help them understand that is we'll give them a bunch of different sentences and we'll say one sentence at a time. And if the sentence we say is true, they have to hold up their arms 
And then they have to shout true, you know, at the top of their lungs. <laughs> so like we'll say a sentence, you know, something like the sun usually shines during the day, you know, and four-year-olds just need to get their bodies involved. So they, you know, lift up their arms and shout true. And then we'll say like a not true sentence, like a silly sentence, something like puppies run on the ceiling, you know, like, and then we'll have them cross their arms in front of them, like an X and say, not true. So first we just, you know, set up this dichotomy of true and not true, you know, just spend time doing that. After that, we talk about the difference between truths and feelings. And we talk about how our feelings are inside of us and they change, you know, like I might feel really happy because, you know, if today is Monday, while somebody else might feel really sad that today is Monday. And we just talk about what are the difference between truths and feelings. And so then we'll play the truth versus feelings game. So if I say a sentence to them, that's true again, mm -hmm. like, you know, they'll hold up their arms and they'll shout true. And then if I say a sentence that's based on feelings, something like, you know, monkey bars are the best, you know, we'll just have them <laughs> hug themselves and say feelings and we'll practice that for a while. And then we'll put all of it together and we'll give them some sentences that are true, some that are not true and some that are feelings. And so just have them recognizing those. And, you know, when I do this with even just the children at my church, they love playing this game, you know, like we'll be in the car and they think of it kind of like that. I'm thinking of an animal game and they'll be like, Miss Elizabeth, can we play the truth or feelings game? You know, they love, <laughs> they love the game. But then once they've spent time and now this isn't like over one day, I'm talking about, you know, spreading out, it out over weeks because little ones just need time to absorb these things. Then after that, to talk about how sometimes feelings trick us, sometimes feelings point mm. us to what is true and sometimes feelings do not point us to what is true. And so then I'll give them examples, you know, like, let's say that you can't find your basketball and you think your brother stole it. So you feel really angry inside. And that anger is just so big, you know, make me show show me the face that you make when you're angry. They'll show me that face and then say, okay. And then you find out, oh, the basketball was just in the back of your closet. Did that feeling point you towards the truth or did it right. point you away from the truth? You know, and that pointed you away from the truth. And then we'll give an example where feelings do point to the truth. And so I know for some people, they might be thinking like, oh, really all this time, all this time spent on truth for little ones. Like, isn't this a little bit overkill? And I like to use the example of, I think it was filmed in the eighties, the movie, the karate kid. Now I'm not recommending oh. it because um, it has a <laughs> lot of language in it, but there's a scene in this where Daniel, the main character, you know, he's wanted to learn karate for Mr. Miyagi. And he just kind of like flips out because he's so tired because Mr. Miyagi has had him putting wax on the car, taking wax off the car. And then he's had him painting the fence. And he's just like, I'm done. Like, I'm done working for you for free. I want to learn karate. I'm not learning how to wax a car and paint a fence and, you know, do these other things. And all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi calls out, you know, like, do wax on. And then he's Mr. Miyagi starts to fight him. And all of a sudden, Daniel realizes that the motions he's been learning for wax on and wax off and paint the fence are exactly the motions that his body needs mm -hmm. to do karate. And so these things that we're do we can do with our little ones, all of a sudden, when they're in a cultural moment where one of their classmates, you know, last year was Johnny and comes back into second grade as Stephanie, you know, or anything, anything like that, where they're just in like a cultural moment where something's going on that just is not aligned with truth. We don't then need to do so much damage control of like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. like we somehow need to explain transgenderism. We can just talk about, okay, so what, what body did God give Johnny? God gave Johnny a boy's body. He did. Yeah. And you know what? If Johnny on the inside thinks he's a girl, what is that? Is that a truth or is that a feeling? Right. That's a feeling. What is the truth 
about who Johnny is, who God created him to be. God created him to be a boy. And that's such a good thing, you know, so we can then use Mm. this as the basis for having these conversations without needing to go into freak out damage control mode. So it's just so Mm -hmm. important to teach little ones, you know, truths are different than feelings, you know, our feelings Mm. change and we have the responsibility as humans to just discern, is this feeling pointing me towards what is true or is it pointing me away from what is true? And even when you have that basis, then you can have the biblical conversation of we love all people and God loves all people. Mm -hmm. So there's not that, uh, you know, just because it's true doesn't mean you hate anybody or you don't like anybody. Mm -hmm. It just means you, you love them. So it's really, I love how you're doing that, that Elizabeth, that's good, good tools to use for kids and, and spot on, spot on, because I do know that as parents, there's parents out there, there's Sunday school teachers, grandparents, that they want to shelter their kids from that. I, I know I, that was my first reaction with all this stuff coming mm-hmm. up. I want to shelter my kids mm-hmm. from this. But we know that they need to, you know, they're going to be surrounded by stuff. So like, what is the best approach to parents that would say to you, well, I really just want to shelter them from it so they don't have to deal with us? Yeah. Well, I would first say that 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 desire is a good desire. You know, the desire to protect your children, you know, is a desire that God has given us. And we just need to discern what actually is protection, because we often think that protection equals isolation or protection actually equals preparation. And an analogy Mm. I like to think of is when I, my first few years of teaching, you know, every first year teacher, especially working with little ones gets sick a ton, you know, because they're in your face and they're bringing all these germs to you, you know, so you get sick a ton, your first year teaching, you still get sick a lot, your second year teaching. And by your third year teaching, you should have built up pretty good immunity. Well, for me, just the opposite happened. You know, like I got sick a little bit my first year, I got sick even more my second year. And by my third year, I was on like my eighth round of antibiotics for a sinus infection by December. And I was like, (laughs) okay, something's wrong. So I I went Mm -hmm. to my doctor and I said, okay, you know, I had so many sinus infections. I've been on antibiotics almost consistently since the start of the school year. I don't want to just treat the symptoms. I want to find out what is the problem here. So he just asked me a bunch of questions. And one of the questions he asked me was how often I washed my hands or used hand sanitizer. And I, at the time I was teaching in a mobile classroom, so we didn't have a sink and I'm a germaphobe. Like I, you know, like I just am a complete germaphobe. And so I was using hand sanitizer probably like 50 plus times a day. And he was like, okay, here's where the problem is. He was like, you know, before you're about to touch your face or before you're about to eat, you know, you should ideally wash your hands. And if you can't wash your hands, then use hand sanitizer. But he said, Elizabeth, when you're using hand sanitizer multiple times an hour, what you're doing, he's like, you're killing all of the good bacteria on your Mm -hmm. hands. He's like, and you're not letting your body get a chance to be exposed to these germs in small dosages. Right. And he said, because of that, your, yeah, your immune system is just then not prepared when you're, when you're exposed to these germs in larger quantities. He's like, so what I want you to do, he says, I want you to wash your hands before you eat. And if you're going to rub your eye or rub your nose, you know, do that. But aside from that, do not, you know, do not use <laughs> And the amazing thing that happened is after that, I didn't get another sinus infection for five years. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. <laughs> and so it's very similar with our kids in that, you know, as much as we'd love for them to live in like a sanitized world, that sanitized world is the new heaven and the new earth in eternity. Like we cannot bring right. the new heaven and the new earth here to this earth. Like our it's kids the, it's are the always perfect going to be exposed to things. Right. Our kids are always going to be exposed to things. And so the question is, do we want to keep everything sanitized? And then once they're 
adults let them be out in culture? Or do we want to expose them to false ideas in small, healthy dosages when they're still in the protection, you know, of our own homes, our own churches, our own schools, so that then they can build up immunity because they understand why those ideas are not true. And so that's what I would say, you know, it's not just a, you know, push our kids off the deep end and be like, oh, well, good luck. And it's not a, well, we're going to keep you out of the pool until you're an adult and then you can try it out. It's like, okay, we're going to give you swimming lessons, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and we're going to expose you in small dosages to these ideas. So that's what I would recommend for any parent that's thinking this. Wow. You have amazing resources, Elizabeth, and our listeners do want to know about that. So tell me about what you have not just, I mean, we're talking about curriculum. We're, we're have, just for families mostly use your curriculum. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Our largest audience is families. And so we have a number of resources at Foundation Worldview. We have, you know, webinars that we do each month where we have teaching times, do different interviews. And we're starting a, a podcast that comes out twice a week in this fall. We also have just different blogs and just lots of resources to help to help parents. We have a book club that we give out every every month where we just give recommended titles for adults and kids and with worldview questions to go alongside those. And then we do have our curriculums as well. And so we start at age four and we go up to age 14. And so our curriculums, we have worldview for the little ones. We have like a basic biblical worldview curriculum where we're teaching them, you know, how does the Bible answer these big questions that everybody Mm -hmm. is wondering about? And then for eight to 12 year olds, we have our comparative worldview curriculum, which I've already talked about a little bit. Um, Then we also have a curriculum for eight to 12 year olds called studying the Bible. And so basically what we're doing is we're trying to equip kids with the skills that they need to independently read, interpret, and apply scripture. And so we take them through the whole narrative of scripture. We give them basic Bible study skills and have them practice them. And then we teach them, okay, how do you read different genres? How do you read history different than you read prophecy? How do you read poetry different than you read biography? And so that they're equipped, you know, with the tools that they need to really read the Bible on their own so that they're not dependent on, you know, a Bible study to guide them with questions. They're not dependent on some author or a devotional writer. Mm-hmm. And then for 10 to 14 year olds, we have what we call our careful thinking curriculum. And that's where we systematically train kids to look at an idea, systematically break it down and evaluate whether or not it's true. And then we teach them, okay, once you're good at this, once you're really good at evaluating ideas, how do you engage with others in a way that's full of grace and truth? How do you ask good questions? Mm, I love listen that. Well, how do you then engage with someone who, you know, is believing something that's not true. So those are the resources we have available mm. at Foundation Worldview. Oh, Elizabeth, those are great, great tools. And at Bible to School, we're all about equipping parents, p- teachers, mm-hmm. and, and you can tell the children. Obviously, we're telling them you can tell the children. And you have yes. tackled a topic that is so important, the worldview that's being younger and younger put on our mm-hmm. kids. And to, like you said, to be able to protect them, to be able to give them the tools to do that is just beautiful. So thank you for what you do and for coming alongside all of us. Loved hearing your story. Do you have a God story, that favorite God story you'd like to share about Foundation Worldview? I mean, I love the stories that people write in and tell us about, you know, the moments when they're watching a movie with their child and their child's like, oh, that's different than what the Bible teaches, you know, like when they're just prepared to understand the differences. Another parent wrote in, you know, recently telling us that in her daughter's Sunday school class, her daughter, I think is nine, a boy in the Sunday school class asked if Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And the Sunday school teacher said, you know, like, 
don't really know. And her nine-year-old daughter said, I can explain the differences between the, you know, like what Christians <laughs> believe about God and what Muslims believe about God. And so it's exciting to see those. Very cool. and, yeah. And then I just love the way that, that God provides, you know, when I sensing that God was calling me to start this ministry, I, I, you know, like I spent several months praying about it with, you know, like ministry, you know, like my pastor and his wife and good friends and mentors and my parents and everyone was like, yeah, it seems like the Lord is leading you to leave teaching. And I was like, that's great. But like, where am I going to get an income? Where are you going to go? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And God just like miraculously provided in so many neat ways. You know, like after I handed in my letter of resignation, a mom at the school found out about it and she on the spot wrote me a check for a year's worth of rent. And I was like, Okay, I don't know okay. how I'm eating, but I at least know, you know, I have a roof <laughs> over my head. And then, you know, someone else called me and offered me a very large interest-free loan, you know, just on the side to to start this. And as much as I am so grateful to be part of this ministry, like the Lord doesn't need me. Like, you know, mm. he can he can use, you know, whoever he he chooses. I'm so grateful that he's allowed me to be part of this. But his hands have just, you know, his fingerprints have just been evident in all of this. And I'm so, so very grateful for his kindness and his love and his faithfulness. Well, Elizabeth, we are thankful for you and your team and what you're doing. Would you mind ending us in prayer? Oh, I would be honored. Thank you. Father, we come before you now and we just thank you. God, we thank you for reconciling us to yourself. We thank you for the finished work of Jesus. And um, God, I just pray over all of the people that are that are listening to this. Lord, I thank you for their obvious heart for children. Lord, whether it's their own biological children or adoptive children, grandchildren, whether it's children they're working with in a school or in a church setting. Lord, I ask that you would continue to encourage them and strengthen them and equip them. I ask that you would give them the moment by moment wisdom that they need as different questions and challenges arise with these children that you've placed in their care. And Lord, we just lift up each and every child that is represented by those who are listening today. God, we ask that you would be drawing these children to yourself. We ask that you would be softening their hearts towards you or that they would feel the weight of their sin and understand their need for Jesus, that they would be reconciled to you, that they would come to know you and trust you and love you, and that they would joyfully enter into your mission of reconciling the world to yourself. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your love and your kindness and your faithfulness. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure what's more important than equipping the next generation with the tools to know how to determine truth. To be honest, I'd greatly benefit having Elizabeth's curriculum in my own life. Are you an active evaluator or a passive recipient when it comes to what you and your kids are listening to and viewing? I just love Elizabeth's simple ways of playing games to show younger kids the difference between truths and feelings, to ultimately be able to identify, is this feeling pointing me away from truth or is it pointing me towards the truth? So don't just switch off your phone now. Go ahead and grab Foundation Worldview's amazing resources by heading over to our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And check out episode 60's show notes. Everything mentioned today will be available to you there. Also, keep this conversation going. Send this episode to a friend or two and hop on our social media platforms. We can be found at Bible to School on Instagram and Facebook. You can also join us in this mission to bring the Bible to your public school. Go to our website, Bible, the number two, school.com and fill out the Contact Us form. We'll reach out to you to get this discussion started. So until next week, enjoy some pumpkin spice and cooler nights. And remember, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus.